Good morning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Well, Tom Brady and the Bucks have done it. They have beaten the Chiefs. They have vanquished the champions. Tom Brady's got his seventh Super Bowl. And let's face it, that Bucks defense <laughs> deserved the MVP. Brady was fine. He was good. But that Bucks defense was overwhelming. To keep Kansas City out of the end zone, limit them to three field goals, I don't think any of us thought that was possible. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that the game is a three-and-a-half-point spread, I think a lot of people thought Tampa Bay could do it. I don't think many people thought Tampa Bay could win in a blowout. I certainly didn't. I thought that was the least likely outcome, and yet it's the one we got. A complete and total just dismantling. Now, obviously the Chiefs' offensive line, makeshift as it was, was overrun. Possibly, Tampa Bay would have overrun the Chiefs' line if they hadn't lost their left tackle in the AFC title game. We'll never know. Um, you know, Kansas City, for all the problems protecting Mahomes, they, they did move the ball. They got close enough for three field goals. They were uh, down, in, you know, relatively close to scoring position a couple other times. Went for it on fourth down because it was late in the game. So, you know, you have five chances to score and you kick three field goals. And you look at the the Bucks and they had six chances to score, and they scored four touchdowns, kicked a field goal, and got stuffed at the one-yard line and turned it over on downs. So, you know, can you finish drives? How good are you in the red zone? And sometimes in the NFL, a little outside the red zone. Um, you know, if you're down at the 30, you still got to find a way to get it in the end zone, and the Bucks did. And the Chiefs did not, and that's the end of that. So Brady's got uh, a Super Bowl MVP award for the fifth time. He's got a championship for the seventh time. He says he'll come back. He's now got more titles than Jordan. He's now got more titles than Elway and Montana combined. I mean, it just goes it just goes on and on. The Bucks have their second Super Bowl. That's something. They went back in 02. So for a relatively young franchise, they started in 76. Um, you know, I think, what, there were 26 teams. 26 of 32 teams were in the league before them, and Seattle came in with them. And four teams have come in later. So, uh, good for the Bucs. You know, they get it done, but obviously Brady the story. And for the Chiefs, so close yet so far. Uh, Andy Reid doesn't go back-to-back. He would have been the seventh coach to do it. He's the, I think, 12th to be in three Super Bowls. Uh, you know, they'll try again next year. They're already the favorites again. And then Green Bay and Tampa Bay in the NFC. So we'll see how this plays out. We've had one big quarterback trade. We'll, we'll see what Breeze does and what the Saints do for a quarterback, and we'll see what the Packers do. Assume Rodgers is going to be back there, and what the heck happens with Deshaun Watson. Does, does he, like Tom Brady, go to a decent team and make him a great team? Or does he just stay in Houston and they try to rebuild? There's a lot to, uh, a lot to figure out there. The other game, the Jazz. They won. They win again. The Jazz, four in a row. 15 out of 16. They are looking good. And, and you know the reason they really look good? is because they didn't look good. They did not look good. They did not play their game against the Pacers. You hate to use fatigue as a reason or as an excuse. Sometimes it is a reason, and it's easier to throw it out there when they won. Uh, but they missed a lot of threes. There were a lot of open shots that were short. They were good shots. They were the shots they wanted. They were shots they're supposed to take, and they missed them. And they missed many of them short. Some of them were long because the shot was flat, but same problem, legs. And, you know, three games in 72 hours after the back-to-back, they had a day off, but then they had to play early. 
And I thought they did a great job in the third quarter of getting to the and early fourth quarter too. Different guys getting to the rim. Clearly, Donovan Mitchell went in there looking to find Rudy Gobert, and he did. And Joe Ingles got to the hoop, and Bogdanovich got to the hoop, and Clarkson gets there, and sometimes he shoots labs, and sometimes he plants a foot and pivots and shoots an eight-foot fall away. But he gets in close, and uh, you know the, the percentage weren't great, but they got enough points, and they defended. They defended, you know. It, <laughs> they only lost one quarter in that game, and they held Indiana to 95 points. And these days in the NBA, 95 is going to be a winning number. You hold your opponent to 95 points, you're going to win a lot of games. You might lose a flukish game once in a while. Uh, just for example, yesterday, three teams failed to break 100 points, and they all got beat. Charlotte beat Washington 119-77. Phoenix beat Boston 100-91. The, the most important score for the Jazz was that the Clippers got beat again. Sacramento beat them 113-110, so the Jazz pick up another game worth of separation there over the uh, Clippers, who they've got to play twice later this month. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Steve Young. Yes, we had him on the air late in the show Friday. He's a hard guest to get. He's got a lot of opinions on BYU, a lot of opinions on NFL quarterbacks. We're going to play that interview for you next, and then the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. We had Steve Young on late in the show on Friday. We want to replay it for you, some of the Super Bowl stuff. We know now Andy Reid didn't go back-to-back, but a lot of his takes on NFL quarterbacks, uh, staying put, demanding trades, uh, playing past 40. Uh, He's got a lot of takes. I mean, he's an NFL MVP and Super Bowl champ, so his take on quarterbacks are always interesting. From Deshaun Watson to Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady, uh, he he had a lot of opinions. And we talked to him uh, some BYU football right off the top, and including BYU's quarterback. What kind of NFL quarterback is he going to be and where's Taysom Hill going and how's it going to play out in New Orleans? Here is Steve Young with PK and I from Friday on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Steve, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Morning, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Really good. We got a long, long list of questions for you. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We got a lot of answers. Nice. I like it. Uh, I I want to talk to you Super Bowl, but I know with ESPN you'll be talking some Super Bowl, and this is a chance to hear your take on some BYU stuff. And I'm curious, uh, when you look at Zach Wilson, what does he got the NFL loves? What does he have to do better to be successful when he gets out on the field in the NFL? Well, what he showed was... You know, if, if Patrick Mahomes is the king of 2021, and or really the 2020s, right? If you think about the NFL, that has become more college-like than ever. It's wide open. Um, it's a lot less sophisticated because there's you know, of the rules, because the players and coaches don't get together as much. It's much more like college. It's spring ball and a summer camp and and play ball. And uh, so for Zach. Um, you know, he's going to be running the offenses that he played in college. And that's what's, you know, that's why Kyler Murray's got some success. Uh, even Lamar Jackson with the sophisticated running game, you know, the, the NFL is just completely, it's just different. And, uh, and so for Zach, 
um, this, the, the challenge is just to get on a good team. It could be good coaching and, and help them out because every quarterback needs help. And you can't go somewhere where you're not going to get the help. And uh, that's always the struggle of trying to uh, being drafted high. Is can you get to a team that's decent, that uh, can show your talents? Because one thing about Zach uh, that everybody loves, and I think that's why he's, the, you know, people get more and more excited, is you could see that the more they asked of him, the better he got. And that's the quality that... And and the, and the physical qualities that were much much like Patrick Mahomes with the arm strength, throw it anywhere, run around, and the presence. There was a sense that Zach, you know, um, Patrick is a guy that came into the league and maybe because of his dad playing pro ball, uh, baseball, it just didn't feel like he had a much of a transition to you know the, the anxiety that's usually there and the hurdles you have to go over. It's like he just was. At peace, and he played completely. You know, that's when you can get the full measure of who you are when you're at peace. And it usually takes a few years to get there. And Patrick was there right away. And Zach has that quality. It feels like it's from college, and and the physical talents um, put together is why people have gotten really excited. And in fact, you know, uh, some scouts, uh, you know, there's just no limit in their minds what he can do. Now the challenge is. Uh, you know, if you said to me, "What do you got to watch out for?" Well, people have kind of clung on to this idea that you know all quarterbacks get to be captains, all quarterbacks kind of run the team, and Zach wasn't a captain. And so I tell people, "Well, you got to understand, at BYU, you got a lot of very mature return missionaries that are, you know, you know, great leaders, and, and you know, it's not like you know, it's not." It's not necessarily a, a, a knock on Zach. Um, and Zach is young and young-looking. And so people sometimes feel like, well, how how much grit does he really have? And, uh, stuff that you just, there's no reason to think it, but it's just we got to find something to talk about. So for me, Zach has very little downside right now and tremendous upside. On the other end of it, Steve, with Zach being a projected high draft pick, an undrafted free agent who has a world of athletic ability just like yourself that you had is Taysom Hill, and we're assuming that Drew Brees is going to be done, maybe not, but nevertheless, there's going to be a time that they're going to need a new quarterback in New Orleans. How do you view and analyze Taysom Hill as a potential starting quarterback in the NFL? Uh, I... Taysom is such a unique player, but the game has come to Taysom. Just as it's come to Kyler Murray and come to Lamar Jackson. And, like, the NFL has, like I said, it's changed so much. But the game has, has really made a space for Taysom Hill at quarterback. Now, the key is, as, as Taysom plays more, the thing he did this year was he started played some quarterback, threw the ball well, and won some games. And that's that's what you got to do. So there's no reason why the Saints can't turn to Taysom and say, look, let's, let's give you a crack at it. And it's going to be tough to replace Drew Brees because everybody will remember everything great that Drew, uh, Drew did, and they'll never remember what he didn't do. They'll think that he never threw an incompletion, he never threw an interception, he never lost a game. So that's always it's always tough. I went through it, and uh, and so, so that's an extra challenge. But Taysom to me is 
ready for it. And uh, with a great coach, again, quarterbacks need help. And New Orleans certainly is a place where you're going to get that help. Steve Young joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm seeing a lot of drama all of a sudden uh, with quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, you were in San Francisco, obviously, as Joe Montana was getting late in his career, so you just referenced some of the drama there. How much of that do you see in Green Bay with what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, and how do you think that will play out? How should it play out? There's a lot of Aggie fans listening who are big, uh, you know, big yeah. fans of the backup. Right. So uh, right now, no, there's no drama. It's just the drama of Aaron voicing his frustration, being gutted by a loss that he really wanted and needed. Aaron's at a point now in his career where it's really Super Bowls and, you know, that's really it, which I understand. And that's good. That's good for the Packers, right? That's what you really want. And that's what really makes a difference. Uh, and so when he didn't get there, when they were home, uh, you know, he voiced frustrations. And I'm sure there's some – look, I, I've said for years I it felt like the Packers haven't supported Aaron uh, with the help that he needs. feels like if Aaron gets a little defense and a couple of guys, he can go anytime. And he just couldn't find it, couldn't get the protection and just kind of – and, and I think Aaron has those, you know, he hears that and understands that and the, frust- and the frustrations will come out. Not that things aren't, you know, perfect. There's no nowhere that's perfect. And that's what Aaron also realizes, too. You know, a few days later, he calms down. Uh, he goes on, uh, what's his name, show, um, well, the old punter and, you know, his buddy. And he says, look, no, you're right. I'm fine. And I'm, I'm here. And like, there's no way that. There's any problem with Aaron Rodgers playing in Green Bay and playing, unfortunately for Jordan, for a long time. The NFL is now safer, quarterbacks friendly. It's an unfair fight between offense and defense. So for experienced, athletic, great quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, you can play forever. And Tom Brady's proving that. And, uh, And so Aaron can play till he's 43. He can. And there's and so that's why for Jordan, I mean, it's just so you just don't know when, you know, the Packers can choose at any point, I guess, to force the issue. But I don't see that Aaron Rodgers is, you know, the best or the second best or the third best or the not much worse than that player in the league. There's no, you know, if you're Jordan Love, you're you're just playing catch right now. There's nothing you can do about it, and it's not a really good spot. And the league is not built for you to be taking over for a quarterback that's getting old because getting old doesn't matter anymore. So that's a bummer. So Deshaun Watson, quarterbacks who've been as successful as he he is at the age he is at, uh, they don't usually move. He seems dead set on it. They understandably don't want any part of giving him up, at least publicly. Is he sensing a problem in the front office and thinking this place is just critically, just completely flawed and i got to get out because i got no chance here? What, where do you think his beef really is, and how far is he going to push the envelope to make something happen? I don't know. There's something wrong down there. There's something, I mean, there's something amiss. And that's from an owner's perspective. Uh, I mean, thinking about owner, sure, because the coach is gone now. There's something wrong with the coach. I mean, something was not, it was, it was a miss. And I think when he saw DeAndre Hopkins leave and – you know, leaders leading, and I know there's just there's there's elements 
of discord that quarterbacks smell, and then if you're smart, you say, look, what can I do about it, and what should I – and I think that Sean is, is – a if there's five guys in the 2020s, that quarterback, they're going to make a difference. He's one of them. So if the Texans are that dysfunctional and they can't literally hold on to the quarterback, because you can, the only way you lose a quarterback is if the quarterback's willing to either become toxic. Like Aaron Rodgers, if he wanted to poison the well and just tell you everyone, I'm out of here and I hate this place and I hate the fans and I hate the Packers, you can force your way out. But it's such, at such great cost that, you know, it just doesn't happen. And nor is the quarterback really willing to do that. Deshaun hasn't had to do that. He has the upper hand. He has the fans in his corner. That's how poorly the Texans have handled this. And it looks like he's going to be able to pull it off because he doesn't want to be there and he has a, you know, he'd like to try somewhere else. And obviously the grass is always greener. We get that. But the fact that the Texans have fouled this up so much that the quarterback doesn't have to poison the well and become toxic to get out of town tells you about the Texans. So, and I don't know that this new coach has done much to really convince Deshaun that it's all going to get better. So, I, I, you know, it feels like that Deshaun Watson is going to be able to do something that not many people have been able to do, and that's get out of town without everybody getting upset. <laughs> You've mentioned Kyler Murray a couple times already, and I would put him and maybe Lamar Jackson in the same category as term of these incredible athletes who like to run, and you were known as that yourself. How do you hone and mold those guys into being passers along with their incredible athletic ability? The key, even if the, the game has changed, quarterback is wide open. There are too many first downs. There's too many touchdowns available to the quarterbacks who can run. It used to be the opposite, and now the prototype into the future is going to be, in fact, you have to. The idea that you're going to draft a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and that you're going to have them stand in one place, a Ben Roethlisberger, and play. And when I say stand in one place, the guys are very not mobile you're going to play in the 2020s with a quarterback that can't move into the future, young quarterback's not going to happen. So the fact is, is that everybody's looking for a quarterback that can still throw you, that's still the game. you got to be able to throw a sophisticated passing game at, at, the, at the NFL defenses, which is the problem with the Ravens. The Ravens, in my mind, are damning uh, Lamar Jackson from his development because they're so all-in with Lamar Jackson as a college player in a sophisticated running game. That yes, they can go and, and beat the rank and file in the NFL, but when they get against the best, you know, sophisticated running games are able to, you know, be taken down, where sophisticated passing games cannot, or at least it's much more difficult. And so Lamar, to me, that they have to change things in Baltimore to make a more sophisticated passing game and let Lamar grow into it. I just don't feel like they're, the, the opportunity is there. People say, well, Lamar Jackson's not a sophisticated passer. Well, What's the chicken or the egg? I mean, you gotta you got to be a sophisticated passing game to find out if you're a sophisticated passer. And uh, I appreciate what the Ravens have done in going all in with the college form of a Lamar Jackson, but they've got to they've got to you can see it. I mean, I've been saying it for a couple of years, and I I think I've been proven right. Not that I know it any more than anybody else, but you've got to they've got to change, and they've got to they've got to and give Lamar a chance to grow into that. Uh, as far as Kyler Murray. That offense is perfect for the 2020s. And Kyler Murray, you know, there's no question that the size, he's proven that that doesn't matter. 
and that he can you know, continue to develop as a passer. That's the key for him. He's shown the ability to be more of a sophisticated passer, and that just needs to keep growing. And as long as he doesn't stall out, uh, Kyler could be a really great player as well. Steve Young, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve, we know you got to go here at the bottom of the hour, so we don't want to hold you too long. You have the open invitation. Anytime you want to come back, you know how to get a hold of us. Uh, if you have a minute to discuss BYU scheduling on the way out the door, feel free, or we can save it for the next visit. No, we can do it. It's BYU. I, I just got to get in. I'm saying I got to take kids to school, so we'll just have a little transition to the car. But... Um, uh, BYU scheduling, I just, BYU did a phenomenal thing. I mean, every, it was a phenomenal year for BYU. Um, because of COVID, it was just so strange and difficult. But because of COVID, we were, we were the focus of the country for a little while. And because of Zach, in many ways, and his um, prolific play, it, it really reestablished for people's minds, the fans, the media, who BYU is, was, and where they're going to be. And so in that way, the expectations grew. That's not, you know, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But it's always good because as an independent, that's how you, that's a lifeblood. And, you know, ESPN always was a friend. And I know these guys, and they talk about, you know, I talk to them about BYU all the time. BYU's a friend. They like them. They're friendly. You know, it's a good, good relationship. But in the end, it's, it's, programming it has to be exciting it has to be something that the people are asking for and this season was really important for developing that that you know kind of uh demand for byu football i mean the demand wasn't there for a while i think the demand is back now can we answer the bell can we get another quarterback to do you know great things can we continue to recruit even though we've struggled there um can we you know because we're scheduling is not i mean scheduling covid was a problem but scheduling is not our problem. We're going to be great play, great teams. It's going to be a really difficult schedule no matter what. Can we stand in now with the expectations that we built this year? And, um, uh, I mean, COVID was crazy. Um, I give Tom a lot of credit. I mean, tons of credit for putting a uh, schedule together and having some success. And I just don't – I think that scheduling – if you're asking me scheduling, I don't think that's the problem. Scheduling, they're going to – as long as COVID doesn't keep around, stay around – we're gonna we're gonna play the best of the best, and we're gonna have a schedule that if we if we have a great quarterback and a and a great team, we're gonna be in the mix for for everything every year if we can beat our schedule. Our schedule is gonna be tough. Well, we're gonna let you go, Steve. We appreciate a few minutes and look forward to talking to you again whenever uh, whenever you want to give us a ring. Yeah, Feel you free. guys are tough, man. I mean, they just like knock them down. I got I got to. You guys are going to tell me i got to stretch out before I get on the phone. So, <laughs> nice. Get some flexibility. <laughs> and i got to shout out to my boy Ryan, uh, Ryan Smith and the Jazz. Let's go. It's nice. Good stuff. Excellent. Hey, are you going right. to be at a golf tournament up here again next summer? I know golf tournaments took a hit this past year, but I remember uh, sitting down with you We're going to try. We actually we had a social distance uh, little tournament um, uh uh, this last we did it in June it was very small and, and difficult, but we did it up at Promontory and it worked out just fine. And we'll, I'm sure we'll try to do it again with the proper protocols and so forth. But uh, we appreciate any support we get because that's that's our lifeblood, obviously, of of our foundation. So we'll be there, I'm sure. 
All right. Well, uh, call the station and get us up there. That's what we do yeah, in the summer is broadcast fair. live from golf tournaments. So. Oh, look at you. That's All right. Our, that's our yeah, deal. I didn't know we were big enough, so now we know. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, come good. on, that's good. <laughs> if you look, if you look at my Twitter, uh, the the uh, the gif I put up to promote your appearance here this morning is uh, Plumber taking the monkey off your back. So yeah, I, I think you're big enough. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I do you really? <laughs> Why do you hate that? Oh, well, because it didn't reflect how I felt. And this is, I'm sorry to hold you out, but let me just let me just explain it. I, I felt that monkey in, uh, you know, that weight, the deadly weight. It felt like it was oppressive in 91. That's one of the year kind of I took over, and I was dying. It was a brutal year, and I, I did not handle it well. And it was, and, but I had an experience, and I, I, I chronicled it in my little book that I wrote, but uh, with Steve Covey on a, on a plane that changed my life as far as that perspective, and it changed it, literally. And so 92 was a, just a different person. And I felt I was free of that weight uh, more so than I'd ever been. And so by 94, it just wasn't, you know, I, I almost, I just, I don't know why I said it. I don't, it wasn't in my mind. It wasn't a thing. I guess I was so elated and excited that we'd won the Super Bowl. I, I did it. And, and, and Gary, did, I don't know. I just, it did it. It's fine. It probably was perceptionally the right thing to do. For everyone who followed, but for me personally, I just like ah, I don't I don't feel that anymore. So anyway, keep it up. It's fine. Put the gif. Put the gif on there. It's good. I'll find another one. What's your favorite yeah, gif? Good. I like it. Like you know, it was, it was true. Look, whether I thought there was or not, there was certainly a perception that there was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I if think... I would have lost that Super Bowl, I I, I think it would have been hey Steve, you know, good luck. You know how how does how does uh. Vallejo, Sacramento, Auburn, Reno, <laughs> Elko, you know, on your way, on your way, big boy. We'll see you later. Winnemucca, hello. Oh, you didn't, Winnemucca. and the fans loved it. <laughs> yeah, so it was great. So, anyway, you have a little more personal insight to my insanity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, All right. I'll get you. I'll, I'll put one out here for you. Here's you throwing a touchdown pass against the Cowboys. You'll like that one better. That's better. Oh, yeah. Right before the half, grab that one. That was, that was the Tom Brady <laughs> special from last week, in the, a couple weeks in the Packer game. Right before half, did you, that was the killer. Did you that laugh when Brady said he was going to play past 45, or do you think he's going to do it? You're big on the NFL's a different league now. No, he can do it. The league is, that's the league. I mean, Tom said it to me, right? Like, you can't patrol the middle of the field anymore. No one can, the safeties can't launch. There's no, the middle of the field in the NFL in the old days, you, you just, you didn't, you, unless you really knew what you were doing and you had somebody that knew what they were doing, you didn't mess around in there. Now it's just wide open. Is it the flat? I could throw the flat. I could go 25 for 25 in the flat. You know? I mean, and, and again, no one can hit me. You know, I mean, anytime that somebody hits me, they don't know how to, I can see the light defense line trying to figure out how to hit me. It's fair and not going to get flagged. So there's, it's just, there's no reason unless your arm quits that you would, that you would stop playing. And by the way, not that it, like at this point matters, but you're making forty million dollars a year. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. I mean, what's better than that? Working with, uh, working with investment bankers and that kind of stuff. Maybe that's better. You know, obviously we've we've. We started to rot here. We need to move on. <laughs> I got I to get off this show because I can see that the questions at the bottom of your list are the ones that I need to get out of. 
All right. We'll let you go, Steve. We appreciate it. Anytime, give us a shout. And, you know, if you're craving a weekly appearance in Salt Lake to talk BYU football, we are your guys. Uh, we got to thank the great Jim Herman for putting and getting us together, right? So okay. Gotta... <laughs> Jim. Uh, Jim's hilarious. Uh, I, I had a great story from a meeting about Jim. <laughs> the mayor of Salt Lake, let's be honest. There it is. All right. Thanks, Steve. We appreciate it. Boys. There is Steve Young. Thanks to him for joining us on Friday. That was great to have him on. When we come back, what is trending is coming up after the Jazz Post game show. we got Jazz Post for you next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, the Utah Jazz, pick up another win. They beat the Pacers 103-95. Didn't shoot the three well. Looked fatigued and tired at times, but defended. Defended well enough. Held them under 100 points. Got to the rim themselves and found a way to win. Hit just enough threes to get it done. Got to the rim. Got some layups and dunks. Rudy had a double-double, 16-16. and Uh, We'll let Jake run down the rest of it for you right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Wasn't the prettiest of games, but the Jazz pulled out a victory over the Pacers. 103-95. to Found a way to grind it out with no Mike Conley uh, on the last game of a road trip before returning home, playing early on a Super Bowl Sunday, but found a way to win. Again, 103-95. to Donovan Mitchell just one rebound away from a triple-double. He had 27 points, 11 assists, 9 boards. Uh, Rudy Gobert was had a monster game on both sides of the ball. 16 points, 16 rebounds. He also had 3 block shots. Uh, Boyan had a nice second half, had 18 points for the game. Jordan Clarkson, uh, electric as usual. He had 17 as the Jazz didn't shoot the ball real well but played a lot of D and came out with a, a big-time win. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Q. So, obviously, you guys had, you know, quite a few things kind of working against you today just between three games and four nights, early start, Mike being out. Um, what can you say just about kind of the resilience that it took to kind of slog through a game like this and, and do the little things necessary to pull out another win? Well, the, you know, these are the types of games that you talk about as far as you don't have your best shooting night. Um, you mentioned, you know, some of the other things that, you know, the, the, the road provides, whether it be, you know, off a of back-to-back and early start, you know, all those types of things. And um, that's when your defense has to carry it. And I thought we had some, you know, excellent individual performances, you know, Royce on Brogdon and, you know, Rudy on Sabonis, Fabe as well. But those, you know, I, I thought we did a good job in those matchup situations. And then, you know, the glass was big for us. Um, you know, when you're dragging a little bit, it becomes, those are the times it becomes even more important, um, you know, to try to generate some easy stuff. And, you know, the offensive boards were big for us tonight. I was kidding. Joe Ingles, even he got one. So um, those extra possessions really help in situations like this. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, this seemed like a night that, you know, you really needed your two best players to affect the game um, on every possession. 
And, you know, not only did they do it uh, in, in different ways, but it kind of can, it was kind of in conjunction to what you guys were trying to do overall as a team. What do you, what did you think of Donovan and Rudy's uh, performance, you know, as individuals and as a tandem? Well, you know, I mentioned Rudy's defensive effort on Sabonis. I, I thought, you know, particularly in the second half, um, our ability to find Rudy on penetration and Donovan was, you know, Donovan found him a couple times, um, you know, Donovan distributing the ball. I think he's a rebound short of the triple double. In um, in both instances, it, you know, they had to fight through some stuff. There were some, some plays that were tough or there's always going to be some mistakes. You're always going to miss some shots and the ability to just, you know, grind through that for both those guys, I thought was what made the game unique. David James, KUTV. Hey, Quinn, did you talk to the guys at halftime about attacking the rim more? Because it seemed like some of those shots at the end of the first half were coming up short, and it looked like an adjustment. I don't know if you suggested it, if they just did it. How did that work? Well, ironically, um, you know, we want to put teams in closeout situations. They were really running us off the line. As much as, you know, attacking the rim, I, I think it was about what we did when we got in there. Um, you know, they have two rim protectors back there. So sometimes when you go in there, if you're not under control, um, it's harder. And those shots are more open when you attack the rim and you're under control and, and you, you kick it out. So I think us finding that balance is always, always important. I, I don't want to pass up threes. Um, even if we are a little tired, I just want to keep shooting them. But as you said, you know, we love the rim. Um, so if you can get to the rim even better, I, I thought we just were more efficient when we got in the paint in the second half. Last question, Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Quinn, is there value in just learning how to win games differently? This is not what the rest of your games have looked like over the last you know month and a half and, and what this feels like for the rest of the year. I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I think when we say that, um, you know, we, we the other night against Charlotte, against a team that played small and was aggressive and blitzed and switched um, a team tonight with Sabonis and Turner two, you know, two bigs and rim protection. Um, you know, the other night in Atlanta when, when they really tried to take away the three from us. So being able to adjust to every game and figure out how you, you win. As I said, I thought tonight the offensive glass played a big part in it. Um, and we hit some timely, timely threes. But the one thing that's consistent through all that um, is the ability to defend. And I think our guys are doing a really good job of executing in a game plan. And they're also connected enough that they're making you know, adjustments on their own in, in specific situations. I thought Royce and, and Rudy in particular did an excellent job of that tonight. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder talking about the offensive rebounding there. Jazz had 17 offensive boards. Donovan Mitchell had five uh, on his own. And uh, Coach Snyder talking about uh, the defense being a key factor in pulling out this one. Let's hear from some players. Let's start off with Donovan Mitchell. Tony, go ahead. Um... You know, going beyond the stat line, um, you know, how were you able to to just kind of make your presence felt on on each on each possession? I think the biggest thing, you know, coming to the game, you know, I knew they were going to be physical. You know, I think we all knew that, and I think for me, just trying to establish from the beginning that, you know, just the mentality of pushing through. You know, when you play three games and 
less than 72 hours, I think that that last game, you know, is definitely going to be a tough one um, on the body, you know. So if you kind of just go out there and just find ways to make your presence felt, whether it's driving, penetrating, setting up plays the right way, whatever, getting guys locked in, and then everybody, you know, follow suit, you know. And I think we did a good job of just continuing to, 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 to push through certain things. And, you know, for me, just trying to, whether it's rebounding, you know, with Mike out, you know, there's a lot more responsibility to myself and Joe to kind of initiate the offense and kind of feel the game. Uh, so he's got to lock in more and, and find ways to, to impact the game in every play. And that's what, that's what I tried to do. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, the Pacers aren't known as a, as a prolific three-point shooting team, but they start the game off hitting, hitting four in a row. Um, and then after that, you guys pretty much locked them down. They were, Six for 15 at halftime. They hit only two total in the second half. What was kind of the, the key to getting your guys' defense kind of a little better situated to executing what you wanted it? Um, I think it's, it's back to what I said. I think, you know, for us, it was, you know, came out a little little flat, you know, not contesting shots in, a cer- in certain ways, not getting locked in the pick and roll, but fighting through that. You know, last year we had the same game same type of road trip and we lost by like 25 you know they were able to do whatever whatever they wanted and we kind of got out to that start they got out to that start I should say and then we locked in you know and I think that's what's different about this team this year and I think this is one of the things that shouldn't go unnoticed and it's, it's very impressive what we did being able to to do to do the little things to turn up our energy you know kind of getting hit in the mouth and like all right but like this is this is how we're going to have to play the rest of the game. We're going to have to pick up our intensity, and we did that. You know, there were times we were tired. There were times we had to dig deep, and we did it all, uh, collectively, and I think that's the biggest thing. David James, KUTV. How much did you and uh, Jordan and Joe make a conscious decision to go at the rim, and, and how much did that just kind of evolve over the course of the game? Because you guys got a lot of, a lot of shots in close in the third quarter. I think just being aggressive, you know, trying to find ways to just penetrate and attack. You know, I, I think with them having two bigs out there, just trying to find ways to make those two bigs run. Uh, and Miles and Sabonis, you know, they're in half court, Miles is, you know, you know, a great shot blocker. So we got to get find ways to, you know, push it when he's not there. You know, now that we have him spaced out when he's guarding Royce or whatever, he's trailing the play. So now you attack the rim, Sabonis contest. Rudy's there for the finish. Or if they all draw in, we find the guys on the three-point line. And that was pretty much the mentality from the jump. But especially in the third, you know, tie game coming in the third, just trying to find ways to up our level a little bit. And I think we did that. And Anderson, kslsports.com. Donovan, at what point did you realize you were so close to the triple double and, and kind of and not hunting it? You didn't hunt it, but you know, did it come on your radar? I'm not a, uh, I'm, I'm not the type of person to just go and chase it. I believe, you know, if, if God wanted to happen, it would happen. You know, at the end of the day, when I realized it, it was a seven point game um, or six point game. Um, and everybody in the timeout let me know, but I was just like, look, like we can't, lose this you know they have guys who can hit shots tough shots so that was really where my head was at um i told brogdon to shoot it at the end that was probably the only time i probably chased it when the, the last session of the game but um that was that was it you know my mind wasn't really on that you know at the end of the day i'm just trying to go out there and find ways to impact the game if it happens it happens it's not something where i'm like you know i need this or i need that you know at the end of the day we, we got stops we made our free throws at the end we executed down the stretch which was huge Joe got an offensive rebound on a free throw. Never seen that before. So I think that's really where my head was at, just doing the little things. And if it happens, it happens. It doesn't, I'm not really impressed. Mayo Campbell, utahjazz.com. 
Hey, Donovan, what do you think? Um, do you think having the early and long extensive road trip at the beginning of the season prepared you for the shorter road trip, especially considering the COVID protocols and limited practices and all that? Uh, I think so. I think, you know, you kind of get the the travel stay in. And for me, it's play Xbox. But like that, that you kind of get that. Um, your mom texted you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm she said, love you. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think it just prepared you just for, you know, to understand the routine, the habits, you know, and understanding what we do, you know, it's going to be a lot of mental work on the, on these road trips. There's a lot of mental things that go into it. Um, the film, the understanding of how we have to play, you know, and as opposed to, you know, you don't really, like you said, you don't get much practice time, but understanding what we have to do and how we have to do it in order to succeed. And, you know, this road trip, I wouldn't say felt easier because it was so, it was short, but it was definitely easier than those longer road trips because, like you said, we've, we've had time to prepare and understand what it's like on the road. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, with your your passing, it seems like you're getting better and better at kind of using your eyes or using pump fakes to guys get guys open. Tell me how that part of your game has developed and how you're learning how you learn that skill. Um, like, I, like I said, I think it's a lot of it for me. It's just the mental reads, um, the the film, understanding how I'm being guarded. You know, they blitz me with miles, but they don't blitz me with Sabonis. Um, or sorry, they started at the end, but like defining, understanding, right? This is how you have to get the look. You know, the look is there, but how am I making the pass? How am I setting up the pass? Because the passes, the, the passes, you know, there are times where I get sporadic and trying to make certain plays that aren't really there, but the passes and the reads, I see them, but since I'm, you know, small, you know, and guys, they typically put guys who are kind of taller and longer on me. Um, I got to be able to set it up to get to the open guys. So, you know, the pass to Derek, you know, for instance, I'll take you into like between the legs to get myself to my right hand to throw it. When it's Royce, you know, understanding that he's popping. So being able to bump back and throw it over the top, or if it's a behind the back pass, you know, it seems fancy, but those are the ones I have to make because of my size. But if you look at Joe, it's easier for Joe because he's, he's six, seven, six, eight. So he's up here. So my, my setups really help me in my, in my passing game. And I think that's what's I've been focusing on being able to set up my passes because the passes, once I get to the pass, I feel like I can make it, but I got to get there because of how guys, how they're playing me. And also the fact that I'm six, three. There's Donovan Mitchell, 27 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds. You heard him say he wasn't out there hunting the triple-double. Maybe a little bit at the end when he talked Malcolm Brogdon into shooting, but uh, not in the cards. Uh, Did have a close to a triple-double, but not quite. All right, let's now hear from Rudy Gobert. We'll get started with Tony Jones, The Athletic. Rudy, what was your your approach going into um, tonight playing against – you know, two very, very, very good bigs, and you know, and and how were you able to to execute like you did defensively? So first of all, I think uh, I knew that it was going to be a it was an important game. At the same time, it's a third game in three and a half days, so I knew that uh, you know I was going to have to have a great impact. And uh, and I talked to Donovan the same thing. We. I knew that us two were going to have to set the tone and, uh, you know, so yeah, just uh, try to be focused and uh, make sure we we execute the game plan and we make sure we, we got some bonus and, uh, and, and these guys and protect the paint. And I think we, uh, we did a great job doing that. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy. So, uh, in talking to Quinn earlier, he mentioned all the offensive rebounds you guys had and how critical they were and kind of 
generating extra possessions in a game that was as close as this. What made you guys so effective on the boards tonight? I think we got good shots. You know, and when you get good shots and you attack the rim and, you know, when all, guy, when, uh, all guys are able to get an advantage and get to the rim and make make whoever's guarding us the big help, uh, it puts us in a position where we can rebound. And, uh, you know, we got many of these tonight. And it's because I think we played, uh, we did a great job moving the ball and finding the open shots. And definitely we get better offensive rebounds when we get good shots. Maxime Lagorgias, the free agent out of France. Hi, Rudy. <laughs> do, do you hear me? Yes. Uh, so, um, what do you feel when the Sabonis always looking for the matchup with you? N not only... He's attacking me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just like anybody else, uh, when guys try to attack me, uh, my goal is to make sure that they don't score. You know, they might score once once in a while, but uh, it's on me to, you know, make sure they, they take the toughest shot possible. And, you know, and, uh, and if they make it, they make it. But, yeah, uh, you know, whoever try, tries to attack me, I'm going to make sure I, I do my best to, to stop them. Last question now, CampbellUtahJazz.com. Hey, Rudy, do you think having that long, extensive road trip at the beginning of the season uh, prepared you for the shorter road trip, especially considering the COVID protocols, lack of practice, and all that? When I, when I think about it, I'm so glad that we got this long one out of the way. Uh, you know, that was, uh, I think during the road trip, something happened within our, within our team. You know, after the two New York losses, Uh, we really came together as a team and found our, found our identity. And, uh, you know, definitely happy that, you know, we, we won't have any more of these long road trips the whole year. And, you know, now it's just on us to, you know, keep, keep getting better, uh, keep taking it one game at a time. And, uh, you know, whether it's on the road or at home. That was Rudy Gobert, 16 points, 16 rebounds, three block shots, the 39th time in his career. He's gone for 15, 15, and three. Uh, absolutely amazing. Let's uh, wrap things up with the player sound from uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. We will go ahead and get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Boyan. So um, Quinn was mentioning that, you know, in, in games like this where the shots aren't falling like they normally would for you guys, um, doing those little things like grabbing those offensive rebounds and, and continuing to play defense at a high level are what ultimately made the difference. What was kind of, I don't know, what, what helped you guys kind of find the energy to do all those little things, especially at the end when the game is close? I mean, we started the game slow, like like the last one against, against Charlotte. So our second unit is, is doing great job to putting us in a game last last couple of games but like you mentioned we had a more than 15 offensive boards so even if we are not shooting well there's another another ways to to win the games and and we are showing that game after after game we are finding finding different ways to to win the game actually david james KUTV. 
Well, yeah, obviously a lot of shots were short, not just you, but for the for the whole team. And it looked like you guys were tired. Did you feel as tired as it looked on TV? I mean, you can you can say that, but also game was game was early, so we are not used to play play this early. It's 11, 11 a.m. In, in Salt Lake, so that might be the that might be the reason the reason as well. But at the end of the day, great defense from from our side kept the, them less than than hundred points. So so great great road trip overall, three and all. Getting back home, we got a couple games in, in Salt Lake right now. There's Boyan Bogdanovich, 18 points on 5-14 shooting. He was 3 of 8 from 3. He did grab 5 rebounds and dish out a couple of assists as well. But the Jazz uh, have a, 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 a struggle a little bit shooting the basketball, but still come out with a win, 103-95 to over the Indiana Pacers. The Jazz now return home. They've got a national TV game coming up tomorrow night. The Boston Celtics are in town. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. There is the best of the Jazz postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, the Super Bowl, the Jazz, the Clippers. Clippers going down to defeat. Stay with us. This is 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.